0: Share the Load is a time to reflect on the division of labor within our personal relationships. When it comes to the emotional, manual, financial, and domestic burden, how do our evolving views on sex, love, gender roles, and power dynamics determine how we share responsibility? I'm your host, Mia Schachter. I'm an intimacy coordinator for film, TV, and theater, and a writer and educator in Los Angeles. Today, I'm talking to Inka Winter, owner of For Play Films, director of erotic films by women for women. Hey Inka. Hi. How are you? Good. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Um, So I wanted to ask you about um, your earliest memories of how you learned about um, sharing labor in your life.
1: Yeah so um, my story is a little bit like different since I didn't grow up in a family so to speak. Um, I grew up in a Well, I called it a commune until I called it a cult a few years ago (laughs) after watching a documentary by my friend, um, which is called my, well, I know the German title, but the English title is My Fathers, My Mothers, and Me. It's a really, really good documentary, Mm. actually. Um, And watching it, I was like, oh, I grew up in a cult. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) there's that. So... um, Yeah, like sharing labor, we actually kind of grew up in sort of a mini version of society. So there was like actual jobs that people had. So um, in the beginning, everybody joined and it was this idea of total socialism. So sharing the load was really kind of this idea that everybody does everything that they're good at basically and what makes sense. Um there was no private property, so like clothes were shared, like everything was shared. There was no private property, which in like our leader Otto Mule's idea meant that there is also no relationships, because relationships is a form of ownership. Hmm. So there was no relationship, so there was also no love in the romantic way that we think about love. <laughs>
0: Okay, how did they prevent
1: that from happening? Well, I mean, not that that didn't, like, happen in secret, but, you know, like, you're being, like, shamed and sort of told that you can't do it. I mean, I think that works pretty well. Yeah. Did they not want people to have children? Oh, children happened, (laughs) but children had to be approved by the leader. But then... I mean, like, you weren't supposed to, like, know or choose a dad because, you know, you had sex with everybody. It was, like, free sexuality, whatever that means. It was not very free, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got approval, you know, from, from the leader. And then as, now that I've talked to women that were grown-ups at that time, like, they would kind of, like, choose somebody or, like, a few people and, you know, have sex with them. But people didn't know who their fathers were until like the commune ended and there was like this huge paternity testing going on. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Um, Are you still in touch with your parents? Well, okay, Um, like my mother who was not actually part of the commune, I am in touch with her. Like we have a good relationship now. My father passed away like 10 years ago. Um, I never really had that much of a relationship with him. Um, but I'm in touch with all of the, like, children, like, you know, being me and uh-huh. the other children from the commune. So we are definitely, like, in touch. Wow. Where yeah. was this? This was in Austria. Okay. Yeah. So, but back to your question of sharing. The yeah. <laughs> um, when, when it started, everybody kind of, like, really... So they bought a plot of land on the countryside in in Austria, but with everybody's inheritance money and then like literally just built houses and things together. So, you know, like somebody, you know, knew how to do these things and then told everybody else how to do these things and then everybody built house together. Hmm. So I mean, in the in the original like forms of like, you know, sharing labor, this is like the truest form of socialism that I've ever seen at work, you know, until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the idea was good and it worked in the beginning and everybody kinda like put together their money and then created this beautiful like place that they built and they farmed and we had animals and like, you know, Fruit and like vegetables and you know like just everything like that people think oh living in a commune that sounds like fun mm-hmm. you know like that is how it started so then like um, you know, people came in with professions, so then they would like do those professions. Like for example, we have f- had like a private school that was actually recognized by the government, and so my history teacher was somebody who was by profession a history professor, college professor who taught me like history when I was like you know whatever six. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were other teachers that were therefore teachers. Um, I mean, and then, yeah, there was a carpenter who did, like, carpenter stuff and, like, other things. And then the rest was just kind of, like, actually, good question. Like, I mean, I feel like Otomi, the leader, probably decided who did what at some point. Or, like, you know, like, who who was the cleaning crew or whatever. And I think at some point, so at some point the we're all equal Changed to there's a hierarchy and Otomiel was number one and then you know his like wife technically there were no relationships right, but you so know whatever <laughs> was number two and then you know 375 and 467 or whatever you know and so i want to say that people lower in the hierarchy probably did like you know cleaning jobs and things that were like less um fun or whatever um and then um, at some point when people ran out of money, the, the group ran out of money, um, everybody started to sell insurances in, in cities across Europe. <laughs> <laughs> this is so... Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so, so when the money was needed. And, and so basically the background of everybody sort of, you know, everybody came like, Otto Mühl is an artist, so, like, everybody around him was, like, into art, like, theater was a big thing, so in the beginning, there was all of this, like, really, like, experimental theater. There's this film in, um, it's part of the Criterion Collection, I actually forget the name, but Otto Mühl and, like, a bunch of the people are in it and sort of being their experimental selves, whatever that means, <laughs> you know, it's like the 70s. Um, and so, like, like, the way to get people to join new members was they would travel around Europe and go to colleges and do these like theater performance of like self expression and like sort of like parodies on society and whatnot. So in in a way like everybody was like like really good at like theater and acting and which made people good salespeople yeah so that makes sense yeah so when when the whole insurance thing I feel like there's a clip that I've seen where people are sort of like experimenting with like how do I make a phone call and you know and people were just and it, it made sense they would be good at it and they were mm-hmm. and they sold insurances and you know made money and also there's so many people and they put their money together so um yeah we 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 had money and at some point this like uh, vacation domicile and the canarian islands like a whole thing and anyway so um yeah sharing the labor everybody sort of like has skills that they sort of get to perform and then i think for some of it it was sort of like um Yeah, like, like, Otto or like, people up higher in the hierarchy decided who would do, like, the lesser, um, interesting and fun jobs. Mm -hmm. So, who, so, like, what happened if,
0: how did people join this cult? Because I'm wondering, like, what happens if you end up with two history teachers and no science teachers? Oh,
1: like, it, it wasn't, it's, it's, it wasn't, like, really relevant. People just got there and then, like, um, it was just sort of decided who did what and it just, I mean, we had just some teachers that ended up building a school and also made it possible that we were like an official like school accepted by the state because the mm-hmm. people had the proper education. But for the rest of it, I don't think like it was just sort of, I mean... I don't know if there was another carpenter. I happen to know which one was the carpenter who did most of the carpenting. And he also happened to be my substitute father, which was like a thing. So, but you know, like (laughs) there could have been other carpenters that didn't get to do carpentry and did something else. Like, I'm not really entirely sure. There was like, you know, like based on profession, but also based on, I don't know, Otto Mule's like moods, you know, today feels this way, tomorrow this way you're in this group in this city and then you're being sent to another city because you know, I, who knows maybe your sexual performance isn't great. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, I have so many questions about this, but I really want to talk about your work. Um, but I do before getting there, I do want to ask you when, um, when or what your earliest memory is of um, understanding your gender or gender as a concept
1: well i think um i never thought about gender as such it was more like thinking about sexuality because like this whole free sexuality meant that there was a lot of sex everywhere all the time that you got to witness like you know like prematurely Hmm. (laughs) um and i mean in the end also um Otto got arrested for sex with minors and that's Ah. the how you know how it ended you know okay sexual abuse totally like a thing yeah (laughs) The, the normal but so I don't know that I thought ever thought about my gender really like it wasn't like now if I think about the sexuality there it's clear that you know for women it was one way and for men was it was a different way because Otto like believed in the freudian like like sexuality that women that are mature sexually have uh, vaginal orgasms so therefore, if a woman just sort of doesn't come, it's like her fault. So, mm-hmm. you know, like men got to get off and women kind of got left behind. But in some way, like the the pressure of sex was like for everybody, like men had to like perform all the time and sort of compete with Otto Mule of this like status of like a good like sexual partner. So I, you know, like as much as I feel like women weren't like cared for and like seen and it's it's not like men had like a great you know time either (laughs) so (laughs) I mean uh, so anyway so like I thought in terms of like sex and sexuality but not it just like in terms of gender that just wasn't something that that I thought about
0: okay did you um did you leave because it got
1: disbanded or yeah. you, you left it ended the, in 91 okay. in 91 because of the whole. so how old were you 12 okay i was there from 4 to 12 um and and then where did you go I mean, <laughs> did you have contact with the outside world while you were I did Indian? not have contact with the outside Whoa. world except my mother was actually kind of part of the outside world so she would come to visit but um she lived in berlin so when i was 12 i moved to her in berlin but then um, I went to boarding school. Um, my mother was a single parent and felt it was better if I was in boarding school. So,
0: so how did you end up in this cult if she wasn't there?
1: Well, my mother um, felt it was the best solution given that my father had left and that... She didn't feel like she had the time, the resources, and all of the things one needs as a mother. And you know, wow, yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. Um. So I do want to talk about um your your work and kind of, um, like the, the, the division of work kind of in your life now, both in your personal relationships and in your job. Um, what, uh, so what kind of comes to what, what kind of work comes most easily to you? what kind of labor that we're talking about
1: yeah I think like emotional labor is definitely like my thing um and I do that like in all relationships like maintenance of relationships and friendships and whatnot like I definitely um I'm the person who reaches out if like I don't hear from people um and like like at some point I was kind of like you know Maybe not feeling good about that, but I feel like the older I get, the more like people sort of, the more equal it gets. Um, And so I feel like, like in friendships at least, like in friendship, like I just don't mind at all. Um, Relationships, I've like been in in a few long-term relationships but not in the last six years and like I've dated but I wouldn't really consider that relationships and so I feel like in my last long-term relationship I definitely did like all of the emotional labor but I also feel like that I've grown a lot since then and I feel like whatever relationship I'd enter now I'd hope to be a little bit more of an equal division but because I'm in a different place of my life and I would choose people differently yeah totally um and so I mean I guess like my last long-term relationship kind of leads us to my work so I might as well sure talk about that um like basically um Like, I had an abortion, like, about 10 years ago, or whenever that was, and um, I lost my sex drive for at least a year, and it was terrible, and it's like, I've never thought about it in terms of, like, division of labor, but I feel like it's actually a really good example, because, like, what happened is, like, I got super depressed, and basically, my boyfriend at the time, like, I mean, in his defense, he was really young, um... And he wasn't, like, on the surface, sort of, like, demanding sex or being mean about it in any way. But over time, like, the fact that I didn't, like, want sex the way that I did before and, like, enjoyed sex in the way that I wanted before started resenting me and taking it personal. And then basically stopped being, like, nice and sweet to me. Hmm. And I was the one initiating sex the entire time, even though I was the one who didn't want sex oh. because I felt sort of like I can't not give that to him. And so it just also goes to the the labor that I was yeah. doing in a relationship, you know, like all the labor. And he basically was just sort of like, I guess like a little child who just was sulking that he didn't get what he wanted and then in the end cheated on me because some girl threw himself at him and he was like oh yeah that's how this should feel like Mm -hmm. and then you know that happened but yeah so so I kind of like yeah it it took me a long time to like understand that even like the last year that he was like had cheated on me and sort of like checked out and we were fighting a lot Like, I was like, okay, like that is all explained by the cheating. And then I was like, Oh, but we were fighting before that. And like, it was the whole resentment of him not getting what he wanted. And so at the end, there was this like moment where we're talking about, I think we had already broken up and he says to me, so if one person wants affection and the other person wants sex, who goes first? yeah
0: do you have an answer for that
1: well i mean without affection i don't feel like sex isn't really like a thing i mean could be like hate sex whatever like makeup sex i don't know i mean there's scenarios but like you know and i told him that i was like like Like, seduce me, like, something. But, like, it's, like, I had to do all the work of, like, getting him to have sex, having the sex, initiating the sex, and then also be happy about having the sex I didn't want to have in the first place. Without getting any of your needs met. Oh, yeah. And when we broke up, like, a friend of mine came to me and she's, like, you know, like, I told my husband a year ago that you guys, like, wouldn't make it because every time we were somebody at a party, he was so nice to everybody but you. Ugh yeah
0: Ugh. it's also like you you lost your
1: sex drive because of a trauma yeah and i mean you know in his defense he was young and you know like like but in the end i'm like why like the the idea of going to therapy and whatnot like now I'm sort of like, I should have gone to therapy, but wouldn't it have been nice if you would have suggested therapy or like, or if he had gone to therapy or, well, yeah, that too. Oh, by the way, when he went to therapy, like later on, like he never told the therapist that he was cheating on me. And so uh-huh, just sort uh-huh. of
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's not his yeah. fault. Because right. it has nothing to do
1: with like why we're fighting in right. our relationship. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, right. Totally not its fault. But yeah. So like the way that that leads to my work is because out of this um, loss of like my my sex drive, I was kind of like doing the labor again and trying to fix trying to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what can I do to like, you know, be into sex and want this? And I was like, oh, maybe we can watch porn. And so we like looked at porn and nothing was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, then I just sort of was like, why isn't anybody making porn for women? Why isn't this a thing? And, you know, just like years went by. And, and one day I saw this video and I was like, it was like a fashion video for, for GQ Spain. And I was like, that's what I want like, like porn to look like, like a fashion editorial mm-hmm. video. And then I was like, you know what? I think I can do that. And then I did. Cool. <laughs>
0: wow. Um, I'm also, you know, thinking about like an abortion as a form of, of work. Like, yeah. you know, we think about like the, the work of, you know, like gestating a baby, that that's women's work or that it's people who have a uterus's work um, that we don't really have much of a choice about and we either want to, or we don't, but, um, you know, some people physically are able to do that and some people aren't, but I've never really thought about the idea of ending a pregnancy as a form of work. And it, it, it is, I mean, it takes an enormous toll on your body. It takes an enormous toll on your psyche. Clearly it took an enormous toll on you and it's not something that anyone really prepares us for. Um, it's, it, it, it's a huge amount of, of work and it costs money and there's recovery time. And, um, it's a kind of work that only a certain portion of the population are, are asked to do. Um, and it doesn't sound like this partner of yours was willing to try to lessen your burden or share your load, um, at all. And, and it's also, it, it, this whole story brings to mind like an abortion is not something that happens on a day like it's something that you deal with for the rest of your life it's not something that is just you know it it extends beyond the procedure before and
1: after oh for sure and i mean i've thought about this a lot because i i'm sure that there's some women that have abortions and you know it just sort of like is okay for them Mm -hmm. and i feel like i thought about a lot why and i feel like maybe if you're just sort of really sure that you don't want a child, it's not the right partner and all these things it might be easier for me, it's like, I wanted a child with this person. Mm. It just didn't seem the right moment. Cause he was in school. Like I was just barely like moved here, starting to work. Like there was no like good way financially, like that we could have raised a child without just huge like changes and him like having to stop his master program and all of these things. Um, so for me, like I had to let go of something that I really, really, really wanted Mm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why it affected me so much. Um, because yeah, in the end, I really, really wanted that child with that person. If it had been like any other circumstance at the moment.
0: Was there any processing of that as like a loss between the two of you?
1: So like, I think in that moment, I was I knew that I couldn't handle the whole emotional thing of it and I was like I'm gonna have an abortion and I'm gonna not think about it because I know I can't Mm. yeah so I think like yeah when when that happened like I made the decision that I cannot deal with that at the time and had to sort of like put it down and deal with it later which you know it's it's interesting because I thought about that a lot like the person that I am now like I would process things as they come. But at that time, I just really wasn't ready, you know, like I've I've processed my entire life now a lot more in my childhood and, you know, the cult and whatnot. And so like that other thing just wasn't something I could deal with at the time. And so I think also, which, you know, obviously like me making the decision that I can't process it and me not like sharing or asking for help, I think, you know, definitely also impacted him maybe thinking there wasn't a problem Mm. you know i mean i feel like when i when i like write the day off i feel like i shared with him like the experience and like how like i basically was just i mean veiling like it was just you know but he like later on when i reminded him of it he's like you never told me that and i was like i feel like i did but who knows Mm. like you know i could be wrong um So, like, I think we just didn't talk about it forever. Um, And I I couldn't, like, honestly, like, just, like, the word, like, abortion was triggering to me Mm -hmm. for, like, a long, long time. And I think it took me about maybe, like, eight years before I was, like, okay, like, I want to, like, deal with this now. Wow. Um, But, you know, I think, think, you know, I, I, I read a lot about trauma and things now. And I'm also studying to be a therapist. So this is something that, like... I think about often, but, you know, like the amount of trauma and things like that that we deal with as a child also predisposes us for how well we can deal with trauma in our current lives. And so I feel like for me that was just sort of this this loss, um, you know, like given the fact that I was kind of like abandoned when I was four in a golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It Yeah, it just was sort of like... Disproportionately like impacting my life um in a way that I couldn't deal with at the time
0: yeah i mean it it sounds like related to the n- the network in your brain that you have around abandonment yeah um and i mean does it does it feel at all like because what's what's coming up for me is like there was a lot of emotional repression around mm-hmm. this this trauma. Mm-hmm and um you know our body takes that in and then acts out in various mm-hmm. ways um and i wonder if that has something to do with where your sex drive went
1: oh i mean like my sex the loss of my sex drive is like 100% like due to like the I mean, it was, I was depressed. Like, yeah. you know, being depressed, like, kills your sex drive. And if your depression is also directly related to something that was caused by sex, yes, then you, like, extra, like, don't want sex. And, you know, like I, ha- like, I still had sex. And, I mean, it was not good. It was, like... I mean, I can't really, like, describe how unpleasant mm. the experience of sex was at that time. And I still did it because I felt like I should... Um, and obviously, then he picked up on me like not being into the sex, right. which then he felt like like rejected. and so then he started resenting me. like my my mom's ex used to always say, uh, women have sex when they feel loved, and men feel loved when they have sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was obviously like, yeah, that's so true. And you know, I'm like, I don't you know, I don't fault him or not, but also, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we could all like draw our own conclusions right. from this. Like there's no um Ooh. yeah, so yeah.
0: So in your work, I mean it sounds like that the it sounds like to me that the the way that you learned about sex in your childhood from where you grew up and um your efforts to find porn that you enjoyed sort of together created the, the move, the films that you make, which um, very much center women and women's pleasure and are through the woman's gaze um, and totally redistribute, re- redistribute power uh, to women in your films, both to you and um, your crews. And then the, the women in your films, can you talk a little bit about kind of the power dynamics there?
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I definitely like, you know, obviously set out to create something that that, you know, is, is from a female gaze and that's just not very available in our, our current uh, society and porn landscape. And obviously there's a few, you know, like people like Erica Lust and other women that, that make female centric porn, but um in the in the like, and I've talked to a lot of women about that, but like, it's just the sexual pleasure of the female in most porn just does not seem relevant. Like the sexual pleasure of the female is something that's really just a tool for the man to have pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it's something that like, is true as for our society as a whole, you know, like hundreds and hundreds and thousands of like years of, you know, very one-sided, like, you know, the marriage, the role of the woman is to be there for the man sexually. Right. Um, so, you know, like it's, it's not like strange that our society is still that way because, you know, it's been that way for a long time. And then growing up, obviously, like, you know, everything is really centered about, like our leader Otto Muhl's pleasure which then you know in for the rest of it also like feels like it's more geared towards men but looking at it now I'm thinking it's just really not pleasant for anybody you know like it's just you know some some people you have chemistry with and that's fun and some people you don't and then it's not fun and I think that's you know for both for both men and women in that scenario men got off more yes sure for sure But was it satisfying for men? Like, probably not very, you know? Right. Um, So, yeah, for me, I just feel like from my own experience and for what I'm looking for and then talking to other women, we just want to see something that represents what we enjoy. Right. Right. I mean, right? It's like not yeah. even like that. <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's like Complex. a duh kind of yeah. thing. But it's
0: it's also not what we're used to seeing at all. Yeah, I mean, because I would even, I would be curious, you know, like so much of what you see in porn that could be called like rough sex. Mm. There are loads of women who like rough sex, but to uh, even like sure. see that through a woman's gaze, prioritizing her pleasure would be a completely different. Exactly.
1: And so that's the funny thing. Like I recently talked to, uh, I went to Expus the porn convention. And I talked to some men like were talking to me about, you know, like, uh, what I do. And so this guy is like, so what I want to make more female centric porn. What is the best scenarios for women? And I just look at him. I'm like, it's not about the scenario. <laughs> and he just looks at me like like he just doesn't know what I'm saying like it makes no mean, sense scenario, though? Like, like it doesn't matter like a candlelight dinner or like like you know I don't know like you know, like it doesn't matter it could be rough sex it could be like, like a candlelight dinner it could be like anything right the, women enjoy all kinds of sex sure it could
0: even be like every porn trope that we've ever seen like the plumber comes over but we could make that sexy yeah we should yeah. we should
1: try maybe I mean, like, we should but also like you know
0: <laughs> sex with the person who comes to fix your house like yeah. could be cool so long as like she's enjoying it yeah. Well, like <laughs> That's so, the whole
1: point. Yeah, it, it, it's the whole point. And plus, like, I think I, you know, I would like do the the sort of like this power dynamic of the guy that fixes your house. I'd be like, you know, I would set it in the Middle Ages, and I'd have the princess and the stable boy. You <laughs> yeah. know, because like same dynamic, sure. but way prettier. Yeah, and just and she's of, in like, control of the narrative. Yeah, and and but I think you know, so so for 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 me, like I feel like what what makes this like the porn that I make for women is that it's speaks a to more than one sense so like with 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 mainstream porn geared towards male it's about the genitalia right. mainly and uh for women it's like yeah genitalia is involved in sex but also there's so much more right so like i i I don't do camera angles i just try to like film people as they're having sex if i see people having sex that's enjoyable i don't go and i'm like hey please could you move your legs so i can see your genital right there and then you know like the the facial expression like the the moaning like the 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 pleasure in her face or you know his face too like that's something that that i want to see And then everything like, you know, the mood, like the lighting, like the, the location, the, the wardrobe, like all of those things are like, speak to my senses of sort of like, like well-being and and just sort of pleasure like like location a pretty location gives me pleasure yeah sure you know sure but it's also going to be about like where hands are going
0: and exactly like there's no perform I mean I've seen a couple of your films and like there's no performative aspect to them like it's not I mean and I've also talked to men who've slept with women who seem to have you know this is like the flip side of like Mm. the porn dilemma that people talk about that like that boys are learning how to have sex Mm -hmm. from porn Mm -hmm. but like so are women so are girls and so girls like i've talked to men who've had sex with women who have seen a lot of porn and then are very performative in bed Mm -hmm. and it's not enjoyable for either one of them because whenever, whenever we're concerned with someone else watching us and scrutinizing us we're having trouble being in the moment and being present and we're not reacting honestly because it's for the sake of somebody else I mean that like just brings up the whole idea of like being insecure takes you out of the experience that you're having and typically when we feel like people are watching us we're feeling insecure and that's like what you see in porn so much that makes it so different from from acting from like theatrical Mm -hmm. and film acting is like in in film and tv and theater we're actually trying to achieve some deeper level of truth right Mm -hmm. whereas like um when we're watching when we're making porn we're looking for this like heightened reality that is further away from our actual experience Mm. than i'd even say the very fake like tv sex right no that's why i
1: feel like you know when i first said what i want to do is more like i was like i want to make porn that looks like a sex scene in a movie because Mm -hmm. that feels a lot more authentic than porn yeah and it's funny you should mention because like i also do like the sex education sex education youtube channel Yeah. and my like i'm working on a video that's going to be about mindfulness in relation to sex cool so like that's all the stuff but like yeah so um One of the the beautiful things is like I got to when I started doing the films, I shot with couples exclusively. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, you know, like I would talk to them about sex and and this and that, but like would really soon just notice that that all I want to do is just film their experience. And then just help a little bit with sort of more like how do we use the space or Mm -hmm. if they're in a position and they're sort of like, we don't know where to go here, like we can all brainstorm together. But in the end, like it's it's just like documenting their real like connected experience that they have with each other and the intimacy and the connection. And now that I'm working, I'm starting to work with uh, adult performers and I I've noticed that I really have to tell them to not perform yeah, can you share that story that you told me? Yeah. Um, well, there's there's a couple of things, but I feel like like the first one like that I think I didn't tell you the other day was like, um, just like the other day I was shooting and the girl was just sort of like. Just moving in this way, it was like really obvious that she was like looking for this person behind the camera that would be looking at her, which, you know, is a male. Right. And so I really told her, I was like, just forget about the camera, forget about the person behind it, and just like go into your body and just like feel the experience in the moment. And um, because it was just so clear that she was like see- envisioning this person right behind there that she's pleasuring or like watching herself even yeah even yeah which um um yeah and then so what i just told you the other day was this this thing where i was i was i was filming um uh, a couple well it was a, a a male and a female adult performer having sex and at some point i just felt like she wasn't really like feeling it or into it so so i stopped and i was like checking in with her and i was like you know what would you need what's going on um and she was just a very um shy about expressing what she needed and just to come yeah. yeah well just even like to to enjoy sex she was just very like shrugging and sort of like yeah and like apologizing and you know all of that um and so I was like okay let's just do more foreplay and have you know like you can take his hand and you know take the lead and you know so we did that for a while and then I asked her what do you need to come and she's like oh like i'm really difficult and sort of like <laughs> sugar heading this and that and i was like but, but what do you need yeah and she's like well maybe if you went down on me <laughs> so so difficult so <laughs> difficult right oh. and then and then you know the guy was like he i love him you know he's like he's like immediately he's like yes you know <laughs> we do that and everybody was like yeah you know like you get what you want right and so like we did that for a while and then um she um I mean she liked it but you know she wasn't coming so I was like I have this vibrator like do you want it it's like not been used it's just there and she just sort of was like, ah, like, uh, you know? was like <laughs> and so I was like, I couldn't really get an answer out of her. So I was like, I'll get it and I'll just hold it there. And if she takes it, she'll take it. You know, like it'll be like a little bit more here. Like I have this offer you want it? or, you know, right. it's up to you. So I like, I, I, I got it and she took it immediately. And she just got this like look on her face with this like determination. And it was just like, yes. And I was like, so what do you want to do with it? And she's like, doggy style <laughs> and I was just like she clearly knows what she wants right, right. it's just she really like doesn't have the agency to say what she wants Well, and also believes that it's difficult for other people that she's yeah. burdening yes, other people yes, yes, by yes, asking yes, for what that she's she needs inconveniencing everybody yeah. else right and so like that worked perfectly she came and it was like great and so we talked to her after also and you know I think other than you know like in the adult world it is often not very like relevant what the girl like actually wants yeah, um, and you know orgasm can, can be faked and all of that but she was also talking about her real life and how how men um, haven't been comfortable with her using a vibrator mm. and been intimidated by that which you know I've been in the same situation too um, that's so funny because it's like it's less work for you yeah, yeah but it's like my dick can't do it <laughs> right. so now I feel like insecure yeah well your dick doesn't have batteries <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> yeah I mean I know the 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 (laughs) physicality of it is is quite obvious and it's like yeah you cannot vibrate your dick like that it's not even you know but yeah there's some men I mean I've most men that I personally like you know sleep with have zero issue with it yeah but I have encountered it and I hear about it a lot so you know it's sort of the The fragile male ego (laughs) right well
0: right and then that's like our responsibility to coddle that ego again more emotional labor like more that we have to do to make them feel like they're worthy
1: and that we like them and that there's nothing wrong with them and the whole faking an orgasm thing it's like it's a whole other topic but it's i've talked about it with so many people but every single woman who does it does it so that the man doesn't feel like he didn't do yes he didn't do it right right or so that it'll be over That happens too. Yes, because it's not good. And rather than saying it's not good, it's like, let me fake the orgasm so it ends.
0: Rather than do the the work of like communicating to you what it is that because I want you're afraid need. that the man's
1: going to get it defensive and his right. ego is going to be hurt and you don't want to deal with it or get so frustrated like, yeah frustrated or it's just
0: not worth it because you don't plan on seeing the person again i mean there's loads of yeah. reasons yeah um but no i do think that like ultimately faking orgasms is not to anyone's benefit at all
1: no don't do it. No, don't. don't. fake an orgasm. If you learn anything from today, don't fake an orgasm, <laughs> <Yeah>. ever. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, well, okay. So how do you come up with um, the concepts for your films? I'll just give a little uh, explanation. One of the films that I saw recently at HumpFest was um, kind of a modern well, it was set in what looked like the '70s, but it felt very modern to me. Um, maybe just because of who the people were, uh, and it was it was set up like a swingers party, and then um, people broke up into pairs, and there were uh, all different gender combinations, and then they sat down to a like mashed potato and ham dinner yeah um and like shared a meal together it was very yeah. cute and very stylized there was a very clear aesthetic um where did that one come from
1: well this specific one really came from the fact that my friend bought a house that was that house oh yeah <laughs> and i saw it and i was like i have to film porn here <laughs> and it was a 70s thing and i was like i have to film a swingers party here cuz that's the 70s and then luckily you know like our friends are all sort of like um polyamorous sex positive people that go to sex parties Mm -hmm. so they were the perfect people to authentically right be in this film and do the thing that they do um and um i mean just sort of like the the storyline i think came from sort of like a all the things that my brain has collected about swinging over time. And I told, I I talked to somebody who's a swinger and she was like, oh my God, like I felt like this was like the essence of like swinging. Like you just, you know, represented it so well. And I was like, well, I feel like in the 70s, there was a lot of like cocktail parties. And then, you know, like even Masters and Johnson, they had like a scene where there was like the the key party and, you know, Mm -hmm. like everybody meets for cocktails and then everybody's, you know. I mean, the key thing that's, like, from the 70s. Right, but don't Um, they,
0: even still in swinger communities, um, don't they not allow male, like, men on men? Like, husbands don't?
1: I actually don't know what people do these days, but I want to say that the people that I know that are sort of in these, like, circles, I want to say that that's probably a little bit more, like um fluid but it could not be like and also i feel like it depends on the city that you're in and the group yeah. like i feel like everybody's a little bit
0: well it's also i think there's a big difference to be made between um like swingers and polyamorous yes absolutely. people absolutely. in their own yes. groups of friends yes. i That's
1: mean i do know a lot thing. that sort of have a little bit of like a crossover between them um, and I feel like the people that I know, but I feel like that's also just representative of who I know. So I really, I honestly can't really speak on yeah. like the, the the swinger, the lifestyle <laughs> as it is called now. Yeah. Um, obviously for us to make this film, like we really wanted there to be um, a, like less uh, like normative like constellations, which is why we did the one heterosexual and then, you know, the two girls and two guys together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And yeah, so like, I think, you know, for, for the scenarios, for the films, it's really a combination of things of like working with the people in it, um, and ideas that I have that sort of like, and finding the people for that work for the idea. Um, sometimes it's a location where I'm like, that would be fun. And then be like, Hey, who wants to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and then finding somebody for the concept, um like I did like a into the wild um it's a primal fantasy like in a forest (laughs) chasing and I had that like like fantasy I guess maybe the first time I heard about like primal sex I don't know but then I just like I found this couple who was like that is exactly how we have sex and also this is our backyard it's a forest (sighs) and we can do it here and also like please yes and so you know like for me it's like even if i have an idea it's not like i get random people to like act it i'm gonna find somebody who like that speaks to them and that gets them excited um i had like a girl that came to me and she's like oh i want to do silly sex so then i try to like do something with that and but it was her idea of you know doing something silly so yeah
0: i like that um you know i think there's like I I have a really hard time watching like reality television. And I think there's this kind of parallel to be drawn between like reality television to me is such a departure from the, the truth. It's Mm. so far from reality. Whereas like narrative film typically tries to get at some deeper truth about Mm. humanity. Right. Mm. And like the acting that we see in, um, in, in film and theater and TV that is trying to get at that deeper truth is, uh, that's that's what real acting is to me. Mm-hmm. That's like acting is those honest reactions and being in the moment, it's that mindfulness and it's listening. Um, I mean, it, it can be a very spiritual thing because you're really trying to get at like the core of something, of who these characters are and the relationship and the story that you're trying to tell. Um, But in mainstream porn, it's a lot more like reality television where it's this heightened, overly produced thing where you're trying to shock and you're trying to do extreme things um, to kind of, uh, you know, always trying to do like more and more and more. Um, and, And that's more performing. So there's this distinction that I see between acting and performing. Um, and the performing is the more fake version. But what I'm seeing in your films is like real acting. It's people being in the moment and being immersed in this thing that they're doing with this other person and um, and forgetting that anyone is watching. Like acting I've heard is, is the art of pretending like no one is watching you. Mm. Um, and in your films, that's really what we see. We get to be like welcomed into someone's life like through you know through a window and and get to be a fly on the wall as opposed to feeling like these two people are doing this thing for Mm -hmm. us like Mm -hmm. for our
1: benefit right and it's so much more artful and beautiful that way yeah um yeah I mean I I totally get the distinction I just like to say because yeah people aren't actually acting but like I totally like see your distinction between the acting acting and performing no it makes like a lot of sense if acting
0: is is forgetting that anyone's watching and right. being in the moment, then they are
1: acting. Yeah. They're not pretending. Right. No, exactly. But acting
0: is not pretending. Yeah. Acting is really feeling yeah, those feelings. Getting really being into there.
1: your like emotions, connecting with yes. yourself and your like emotions. Yes. And being so, very yeah. truthful. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: just to wrap up, um, can you share, um, either media or people, um, who that have been formative for you and helped you get to exactly this moment in your life.
1: Interesting. Um, I think I, I'm kind of like for everything I've done, I try to not look to the outside for anything whatsoever. Um, And I didn't even know about Erica or any of those people when I started doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, like, when I had a fashion line, I was like the same. And I try to avoid watching uh, Erica Lost's films or anybody else's just to kind of like not, you know, be influenced by that. Um, and I think that's maybe because, like, growing up, all of this self expression that was initially like real and truthful became this thing of like the leader telling everybody what to do and how to express themselves so for me it's more like a eliminating of everything else and just finding like my emotional like core and expressing that and when people come to me and are like oh but in film you have to do it this way you have to do Mm -hmm. that way and you can't do things this way I'm just sort of like fuck it I don't care Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I don't I'm just gonna do this if it doesn't work it doesn't work but like I'm not gonna like not do this because somebody is telling me that it's wrong for whatever reason Mm. um so yeah all right (laughs) um well uh
0: thank you for being here um I really appreciate you taking the time thank you for having me (laughs) where can people find you
1: well, it's foreplayfilms.com, and we're at foreplayfilms on Twitter and Instagram.
0: And then for the sex
1: there's a tab on the foreplayfilms.com with the sex education, and it's on YouTube. Um, sex education is our channel.
0: Cool. I want to dedicate this uh, episode to my uncle David, who is currently in surgery in baltimore Uh, we're all thinking about you and hope that you make a speedy recovery special thanks to uh, jake robinson for the space tyler peterson for the music and pete ciarto at director pete on instagram for helping produce this episode and editing you can follow the podcast at share the load podcast on instagram and you can follow me at mia schachter that's s-c-h-a-c-h-t-e-r uh, and you can reach me at podcast at com.